What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. And uh, James, we have a guest today. We do have a guest. I've been looking forward to this one for a little while. In fact, since UK Games Expo, where I first met this lovely young chap. And uh, yeah, I think we should introduce him. Yeah, let's do that. Awesome <laughs> stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chris from Unfringed. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good. Hello, everybody. Yes, I'm good. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very glad right now our hobby is an indoor activity, I must say. It's a little warm. For for context, because this won't be out for, I would imagine, a couple of weeks at this point, but for context, we're currently in our record-breaking day, was it today? Yep. Here in the UK, and uh, I, I believe warm. it's similar for, you, for yourself over there. Yeah, right? yeah, it's very warm for 36 or so today. So uh, Nothing. Yeah, pretty Nothing. toasty. Yeah, I, th- I yeah. think um, my van recorded 40.1 today. Oof. <laughs> You cooked your lunch on the bonnet, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, the, he's the unlucky one that actually drives an unair conditioned van. Yep. It's not <laughs> pleasant. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> I, got, I got quite worried, actually. I, I had to remove some games from the car just in case, you know. <laughs> With the heat in the car, the last thing I wanted was warping games. I haven't heard, I've, I've seen on these groups and stuff, people talking about uh, potential heat damage to their games and stuff. And it, I must admit, it hadn't even crossed my mind. But yeah, I'm sure it does happen. Right? It's the last thing you really think about, because obviously games are sold worldwide. They're, you know, they're sold in places like America, where it's always hot. You know, I mean, we're yep. complaining about 40 degree heat here. I'm pretty sure Americans are actually used to that. Yeah, in certain places. So, yeah, well, the past few weeks we've been complaining about the heat and uh, I'm willing to bet all of our American listeners are like, what what are you talking about? (laughs) It's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would also point out, though, that our American listeners who live in those places probably have aircon attached to their houses. True, true. (laughs) True, true. We have to resort to the uh, paddling pools in the garden. Paddling pools with a bit of ice. Yeah. Yeah, paddling pools, drinks with ice, and the occasional fan that just speeds up hot air into your face <laughs> yeah, yeah true true I, I may have done the uh the typical dog out of the window on the way back in my van today just mm-hmm. to try yeah. and get some air but yeah well anyway we're not here to talk about the heat we are here to talk about games aren't we and uh chris i guess you're a bit more into games than us aren't you really <laughs> considering you've made one uh, uh well i i mean i think i listened to your podcast recently uh, your hundred episode one, um, <laughs> and you definitely are into games. You've played a lot more than I have, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. So I made Zuli what two years ago now. Um, doesn't feel like yeah, that long ago, does it? No, it doesn't. It zoomed past. I guess that's um, the last few years have been pretty rapid, right? But yes. yeah, yeah, very into board games, very into video games as well, but also very into very into board games. So I'd like to argue that you can't be both, but you know, as a PC gamer, I, I unfortunately can't make that argument. And mm-hmm. uh, I know James yeah. is a PC gamer as well. Yep. Are you a, are you a console gamer? Or are you a PC gamer? Or are you a bit of both? Also PC. I mean, I kind of grew up on more Nintendo kind of stuff, but yeah, recently PC. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the best way to play, right? Nice. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the better games. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think PC I, Master Race. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, I, I think growing up, I, I liked the old Nintendo as well. Like, I was a fanatic Zelda fan. I played every yeah. single one up to the ones that the Switch have, and the only reason I haven't played them is because I don't own a Switch. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I will never turn down a Nintendo game. If if someone wants to play Mario Kart, some Smash Bros, then I'm in for sure. Yeah, I think they're the closest thing you can get really to to board games and tabletop games because a lot of them are still play in person multiplayers mm-hmm. rather yep. than you know over the interwebs and fighting a nameless person. Yeah, you know, or, or well, I suppose that's Call of Duty, isn't it? Really, yep. like, just fighting. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Mario Party is is pretty much a board game right with some little digital aspects but a lot of the time you're just you're playing in the lounge with a few people um yeah it's a lot of fun yeah definitely and uh, obviously bowling you know with the the, yeah switch and the what was it the wii yeah you had that as well Mm -hmm. where you smash the screen because you forgot to hold on to the uh the controller (laughs) and it just flew out (laughs) your hand yeah yeah Yeah. the vines and the uh, youtube videos were good for that oh yes but anyway should we talk about tabletop gaming Yes, Would you like that? I think we should. Yes. Well, let's let's start right back at the very start for you. What was it that got you started on the journey within tabletop gaming, and what's your earliest gaming memory? Oh, it's 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 a tough one. I mean, I played a lot of the classics, the kind of games that everyone has, or their parents have, or their grandparents have. Right. Um, for me, the ones I can remember that I enjoyed playing as a kid were stuff like Game of Life uh and and mousetrap um i know they're not held in high regard but like i remember as a kid i really enjoyed those games one of the fondest memories probably with my nan like she used to play rummy the card Mm -hmm. game yeah i mean she was unbeatable at rummy (laughs) the card game um but it was i I really enjoyed um i guess that's kind of set collection right in 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 a sense um but yeah that's that's one of my earliest fondest memories of like what introduced me to kind of the tabletop gaming world, I guess. Nice, yeah. nice. I mean, I, I wouldn't have any shade on it like Mouse Hunt. I used to love Mouse Hunt because that the game of setting up the board was amazing. It's a shame mm-hmm. the game itself was a bit anticlimactic. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or spent... when the when the trap came down too early. Yeah, and it was a little bit like, oh, okay, do, do we do we carry on playing? But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the worst things about that game. Is you go. Go through all that effort to set it up and get the slightest nudge of the table and your work is ruined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the ball just doesn't hit that lever and then you have to start it again. And yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, how about you classics. guys? So, listen, again, on the kind of hundreds episode, you, I saw that you were both big Warhammer fans. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, was, yeah. was that something you were into as kids as well? Um, or was that something you kind of came into kind of later? Uh, so for me, I probably started playing Warhammer around about 11, around about that time. It's like, yeah. if we're talking board game, board games, I, I probably the same if you I remember Game of Life, Mousetrap, Risk, Monopoly. Oh, or, I said it. Or, <laughs> all the standard ones that we now look back and just go, Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that, again, board game wise for me, I- I'm the same. We-, we all played them games, you know, we were forced to as kids. But yeah, I think when it comes to, you know, more modern games or even something like Warhammer, I think I was nine when I first played Hero Quest. And then I think about a few months later than that, that's when I first got into Warhammer Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried Warhammer 40,000, but it just didn't gel as much as the fantasy genre yeah, okay. which is really yeah. weird for me because i don't actually like fantasy game uh, the fantasy genre all that much yet i love sci-fi yeah but in games it's the polar opposite yeah interesting so, go figure I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fantasy guy but like fantasy and sci-fi for me is of less interest mm. but like but i must admit like board game wise i haven't 
it tend to not have the same preferences of those kind of themes, I guess. But definitely like books or or fiction, mm. fancy, big, big, big fantasy fan. Yeah. Nice. No, that's good. Is there a, a particular gaming memory that sticks in your head from when you were kids? Like, or the arguments that Monopoly brings or... Or, or, I mean, or, or well, I suppose you've already got one. You did actually say about the uh, the the trap on on mousetrap coming down. Yeah, <laughs> the trap on mousetrap was good. I think the, I don't know if you ever played Game of Life. Um, I did. But <laughs> there was a bit where you got to the end, and I don't know whether it was a mansion or something, and you could basically gamble. Um, and you can even tell as a kid, like that kind of I don't know mechanic is very addictive, even as a kid, and you're wanting to kind of gamble. Oh yeah. Um, but it was kind of weird when you think back, like I wanted to finish the game of life so that I could get to that mechanic. And I guess thematically, that's a bit weird, really. But um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I, that's, a, that's a memory I have. I, I, um, yeah, I remember wanting to be the first person to finish so yeah. that I could do the most gambling in game of life, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. indeed. I was yeah. actually thinking about a game uh, the other day, which I, I it, it completely skipped my mind. And it's only because I was reading a... A magazine that was actually highlighting this particular game because obviously it's, it's just about to hit a, a, an anniversary, which was Sabutio. Like, ah. I'm not a huge football fan, but I always remember that I loved Sabutio as yeah. a kid. Ah, yes. And, I never uh, played it. I think my brother had it, and I think it was that was that was his game that he would wouldn't let me touch the pieces. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me it devolved quite quickly because I also remember having the old um, what are those little sort of plastic monster things you used to get in like a a, a grab bag or whatever and you used to flick them to to fight yeah in, right. know, to hit each other like, i can't actually remember what they were called i i see that you saying that it's like that is probably my standout memory for sabutio is my aim was terrible so you flick the pieces you'd never hit the ball because <laughs> the players would just go everywhere because yeah. your aim yeah. was terrible yes yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. we ended up just replacing all the players with those little flick monsters <laughs> i mean that's that's a, that sounds like a much more uh, much more fun game yeah I, <laughs> I would play that game again if that's exactly what we did so you basically created blood bowl yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> Dexterity Blood Bowl. Yeah, dexterity like Blood Bowl or, or like yeah. a, a dexterity wrestling game. It's just mm-hmm, two big yeah. teams of wrestlers. Just go, go. Yeah. Oh. There's something about that, right? I, I don't know. I also remember, I think it was Beyblade. Like mm-hmm. the toys that you'd get, there were these little spinning discs that would like attack each other. Yeah. There's something very appealing as a kid, right? Of Of having these things just bash into each other. I don't know. There's something very tactile and uh, enjoyable about that as a yeah. kid. I'd actually go even further than that and say, actually, most of the things that we had as kids had violence involved in some way, shape, or form. And yeah. I now wonder why the uh, the world oh, yes, is but, in the state that it's in. Yeah. But, but Jason, yeah. it was good, wholesome, yeah. family-friendly violence. It was. It was indeed. Yeah. You know, we, no, no one ever got hurt. Monsters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. An occasional stray flick off the table, maybe. But yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, man, I really want to play that. <laughs> All those games. Damn it, we're going to have to do a retro episode, I think. You're like. going to have to crack out the Sabutio, pick oh. up a copy off eBay or something. Do you yeah. know that the weird thing is I'm pretty sure I've still got a copy of it in the loft somewhere. Yep. So- <laughs> but it's like there you're you saying go. that. It's, like, it's even like, you know, the television programs and that we used to watch when we were kids. It's like, you know, sword fights and lasers and all this kind of stuff. But the villain just ended up going back to his lair and sulking. You know, <laughs> no one ever got hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. It is yeah. true. Oh, I don't know. Power Rangers were... 
were a bit were a bit more on it. He'd at least get his butt kicked first, <laughs> and then and then he'd run away sulking. <laughs> then be back for the next episode. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, moving on to the modern day, um, would you say your tastes changed in any way? And what would you say is your go to game now? Well, to, I guess one that I didn't which wasn't less as a kid and more kind of teenage years was Magic the Gathering. So I was a big Magic the Gathering fan. Um, as a teenager, I never even knew how to play it. I, I inherited and didn't even inherit. My friends gave me some cards. Um, <laughs> they taught me how to play. I look back at it now. We definitely weren't playing correctly, but we, <laughs> we were still playing a, our game of Magic the Gathering. And that's definitely, I think, influenced me a lot. Like, I love these deck builder kind of games, and I love drafting. And so drafting, at least from like Magic the Gathering, more in adult years, when you do these kind of 10-player drafts and you're opening these packs where you don't know what cards are inside and you're having to build your deck on the fly, completely fell in love with. Uh, and I think that's influenced my modern game choices a lot. So... For example, I, I really enjoy the simple ones like Sushi Go. Nice, yeah. Um, deck builders like Dominion. Um, I, I would always be down for a game of Dominion. Yeah. Uh, my, my partner um, absolutely loves Dominion. Uh, I yeah. think deck builders for me, my favorite is still the uh, the Marvel Legendary series. Because uh, yeah. just, I mean, I've got every every expansion they've done up till last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a lot of card. <laughs> Yeah. I've never played card. it. I've heard, I've seen a lot of people play it. So, I, and I, you, I guess you rate it quite highly. So, I, I think do. I need to um, I'd give that a go. Yeah. It's, it's one of those games now. Like now that Marvel Champions is out, it sort of really split everyone. You know, everyone that was a Marvel Legendary player when that came out, they they switched. Just like, oh no, Marvel Champions is better. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the camp of no, Legendary is better, but Marvel Champions is definitely up there as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it's a different game. Yeah, it's it's a different game. Yeah, I mean, how how did you find the kind of? So again, again, drawing on the my knowledge of your previous episodes. Um, do you think the miniature gaming when you were younger as well has also influenced your current preferences now? Because there were a few miniature games in your like top fives. Ooh, I mean, I I would say yes to a degree. I, I would definitely say yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think with me, the answer was definitely yeah. If you'd asked me that that question maybe a year and a half ago, the answer would hundred percent yes. You know, mm-hmm. if it, if there was miniatures in a game, I was instantly interested. Yeah. But I actually find myself now because I guess I've matured a little bit when it comes to games, and I'm now sort of looking at games with lots of miniatures in and going, Ugh, I'd rather have some nice wooden meeples that I don't have to build or I don't have to paint. Yeah. You know my. My paint pile is horrendous, and through my own fault, I guess, is I really struggle to get my games to the table if they're not painted, mm-hmm. which means uh, my pile of shame gets bigger at the same time as my miniature painting pile. And then you take something like Zombicide, I guess, which has I know, almost 100 miniatures or something that's <laughs> yeah. going to take you a little while to get that to the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I would definitely say that both uh, my history with miniature wargaming and my uh, video game preference as well definitely influenced my board gaming because I do tend to gravitate towards board games, not necessarily that are miniature heavy, but the likes of Scythe, Root, Inesh de- are definitely inspired by playing Warhammer and Command and Conquer and all those kind of game strategy yeah. games. Yep. Definitely yeah, yeah. gravitate towards the strategy. Mainly because you usually convince me to buy them so that you don't have to paint the miniatures. Yep. There you go. <laughs> 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 Cracking partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Win. 
<laughs> I am going to convince you to get every expansion for Nemesis just out of pure spite. It's like, nope, you've got to buy all those and you've got to paint them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of my friends, so I've never painted, I must admit. I've actually never quite... I, I love looking at the miniatures and especially the fully painted ones, but mm. I've never... I've never been, I've never played Warhammer or been too into that, but I have a, a friends that do. And he, I think he does a lot of this like contrast painting, mm. which I was surprised, or contrast paint dip or something. And I was impressed actually how you can take like the a, a base model and yeah. just do that single coat and get a really nice result from it. Yeah, I um, mean, they're, they're really yeah. good to get things to like a really good arm's length tabletop standard. Like I, I've just finished painting the hogs of war game which turned up from kickstarter oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago and all of that is contrast paint because i just don't have the time to sit and painstakingly paint all of these models contrast paint has been a blessing in disguise for me because it's yeah. just sort of like i can in an evening crack out you know 20 miniatures and uh, call them done you know yeah and quick, then get it to the table quick bit of ba- base thing on yeah. it spray it up it's ready to go and yeah contrast has been amazing since they come out obviously and all the various companies have now released their own versions of them gw have just released a load more to the contrast paint range i'm sure i will dabble at some point i'm I'm sure at some point i will find the time to sit down with a paintbrush my first model and give it a go (laughs) it's good fun is it's surprisingly soothing but yeah once it's another rabbit hole to go down unfortunately especially if you enjoy it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. yes um so at what point did you decide to plunge and really get stuck into game design and selling games so I've always been interested in game design. I guess when you play games a lot as a kid and stuff, you always have that kind of interest on like, oh, I, this would be really cool if this worked in this game and this mm. kind of stuff. I dabbled maybe seven years ago or so with um, some Android game development. So I made a couple of games in Android then, and I thoroughly enjoyed the actual game design Okay. and the kind of uh, creating all of these mechanics. With Android, it was like the the painful part was making sure that it worked on all of these different devices, on mm. different screen sizes, supporting Android from five years ago, um, and that was that was backbreaking to to try and get that to work. Whereas with board games, you 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 don't have that. You create the game; it's the same game for everybody, yeah, almost. But yeah, I guess the first venture into board game design uh, was uh, during the pandemic. I was playing video games. I was yeah playing too many video games probably and i decided do i really want to spend most of this time doing that so i kind of sat down with a notepad and yeah i mean and and just kind of came up with this idea i guess it kind of been bouncing around for a while zuli but i'd also been playing a lot of draftosaurus and a lot of sushi go but what i wanted i wanted a little bit more from those games i wanted kind of a bit more of strategy side Mm. a bit more advanced complex ideas in the game, which is still quite accessible to everybody. Yeah. And yeah, so that was that was a case of, yeah, jotting it down in the notepad a couple of years ago. Yeah, and then eventually getting it onto some paper cards, uh, forcing forcing my wife to have a game. <laughs> uh, and then realizing, yeah, it's, it's actually quite interesting. Yeah. How, how did she take the, uh, the, the initial design that you did? Or did she sort of roll her eyes and go, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, 
it's a good question. I should I should ask her. I should have asked her before <laughs> this. Um, and she was very very welcoming with it and had some really great feedback and and has provided awesome feedback throughout the whole design process as well. I think it got to a point when it was a lot like that. You go through so many changes and all of these little things, and for a long time it was pretty much all I talked about or all my mind was focusing on. I'd go to bed and I'd be thinking about Zuli or yeah, it was very all consuming. So yeah. I think that. Probably, I mean, that would get to anybody, right? If someone's always thinking about that one thing. I sort of think um, a, a couple of years ago, I, I sort of, uh, with the previous host that was here before James, we uh, we were working on a cooperative uh, train game mm-hmm. uh, where you were essentially running your own company and, and going against others. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, the process of, of, of designing some ideas and coming up with some ideas, but then quickly realized just how difficult it can be you know, because mm-hmm. obviously, it, what I always find our initial drafts of that game, you sort of look at it as it's so complicated and it's yeah. so not needed, you know, and you, you sort of whittle it down and then get to a decent, easy rule set, I guess. But then, yeah, it sort of fizzled out a little bit. We, we really ran low on time on being able to sit down and actually work on it. And it just never went any further, which is a real shame because I think we were onto a good concept. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point we will revisit that. I mean, there's a huge amount of respect, definitely from my side, these these people that sit down and create the heavier weighted games. Like, Mm. I can't even imagine doing it now. Like, admittedly, Zuli is on the lower end, but like, I don't even know where I'd start. Like, the number of pieces that you have to balance. and, And I mean, that's the main thing for me, ensuring that you have a balanced game. It's like something like Root is incredible like it's incredible mm. what they've done there to have oh, yeah. these races that are so different that are still somehow balanced with each other yeah. like it's yeah it's so impressive yeah very uh, impressive. So the, the game that just jumped into my mind with that was uh twilight imperium it's like was the designer trying to send himself insane with that one yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah. Uh, yeah i i mean i love using root as the as the example and, and obviously you brought it up there as well it's just to have what is essentially four different games all going on yeah. at the same time, but in some way affecting each other and yeah. yet somehow still being balanced, like you said. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's marvellous. It's a yeah. true marvel of engineering. And then to re- release Christ knows how many expansions now, and they're all balanced as well. It's like, yeah. you guys are yeah. insane. Like yeah. I don't it's even know how you managed to do this. Like, Yeah. I mean, I, admittedly, when I was, I tried to be really strict with myself when designing Zuli to stop it going astray. I mean, I looked at my notebook before this podcast and I I have the page that I wrote on the balcony on the first day I designed Zuli. <laughs> it had stuff like gender. So the animals had gender. They had food requirements every year. And there was also breeding. Yeah. So it was more of an Arc Nova than it was Zuli at that point. And I think there was a definite a need from my side. I was like, what do I actually want this to be? Do I want... I, I think that game, clearly that game is great. Arc Nova, yeah. I haven't actually played it yet. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I've heard fantastic things from you guys and from other people. But I, I, I decided that's not what I wanted to make. Partly for that reason, like, I, I don't think I could have done it. I don't mm. think as a first game, I don't think I could have created something quite as complex as that so yeah i was very strict on myself to be like is this 100 percent necessary does this need to be in the game yeah and that removed stuff for example there was a kiosk card and these cards uh, i don't know if you've played like roller coaster tycoon and these kind of games oh, but yeah. Yeah. you would have like i, I thought <laughs> oh these zoos always have like 
this kind of stuff. Maybe you can get extra points from, from kiosks and stuff. And it just added something slightly different to all of the other cards and would have required its own line in the rule book. And I just thought, even though it's cool, I just had to be fairly kind of cutthroat about it. Yeah. Get rid of it. Keep it streamlined. Keep it simple. Um, and hopefully that's that paid off in the in the kind of final product as well. I think it did. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the many things, in fact, that we really like about it is obviously it's, it, it is a very lightweight game which we do enjoy you know to, to install something like card drafting in such a lightweight game and still be lightweight is really impressive to be completely honest with you yeah. um yeah. it's not something that i expected when yeah. when i first played the game like obviously i backed it on kickstarter uh, long before we ever chatted um mm-hmm. this is probably one of the first times that i think we've done a sort of guest interview with a game designer that we weren't already in contact with before the game went to mm-hmm. Kickstarter. So this, this this is pretty unique, and you know I, I really do hope we can do some more stuff like that in the future. But you know for for the for the time being, we both loves it. I mean, how many times do we break out Zuli at, at game night? Oh yeah, like, loads. Um, I think the drafting is actually one of my favourite things about that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of my favourite mechanics. I. I, I any game that has drafting you you are observing what everyone is doing you are trying to optimize your strategy against everyone else but also against the kind of strategy that's even available to you i i love it like i love it in magic the gathering i i really enjoy that process and i really wanted to try and bring that a little bit of that to a much more lightweight game yeah so yeah hopefully that happens with zulu but yeah you 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 bring a drafting game to the table i will 100% 100% be in every time. It, yeah. It's one of those really cool things because it, it cuts the downtime between people's turns and stuff yeah. like that. And again, to sort of further that with Zuli, it's another thing I really like about it, as you said, is uh, everyone's drafting at the same time, then everyone's playing their, their cards at the same time. Yeah. Basically, everything is being done at the same time. So you're never sitting there going, yeah. when's, when's my next turn? Maybe I should get up and get a drink. Maybe I should go yeah. for a cigarette. You know, yeah. there's none yeah. of that within that I think game. it's one of those things as well that like even as a designer I'd like to keep that going mm. forwards I think because I think it's one of those things that puts people off board games sometimes is yeah. when you maybe even have something more complex they understand the complexity but when they have to wait three turns to in order to then take their go and it, I don't think a lot of people don't like that and so especially when you're trying to introduce people to the genre I think having these yeah. kind of yeah filler games or like uh bridge games like yeah. i kind of think zuli is like yeah i think simultaneous play is almost essential for that yeah. to, to keep people's interest i mean i'd actively say actually i don't think i've ever actually uttered these words but i, I would say that i reckon it's actually quite simple is the wrong word but for lack of a better term it's quite simple to create the main game in the evening i think creating a good filler game is actually where the challenge is because you know there's plenty of games out there that are short short games but doesn't mm-hmm. you know not all of them are all that good some of them are a bit boring and and filler games for me hold that special place because if they are used as the initial game of the evening they need to get you in the mood for that yeah. big game and yeah. if they're used as the last game of an evening they need to be easy enough to sort of bring you down ready to to end the night yeah and you've got this really fine balance right as well i think these smaller games can also be they're not always the most balanced necessarily but if they're not the most balanced they need to be short enough that you can quickly jump into it again right so you can quickly go 
oh, I should have done this better this time, or the cards didn't come out quite right. Yeah. Let's just have another quick game. It's only 10 minutes. Let's play another quick round. Exactly. Um, yeah. Whereas if they're 45 minutes and you're 15 minutes in and you don't think you've got much of a chance of yeah. competing, not necessarily winning, but just having a good chance to win, it can be a little bit problematic. So, yeah. it, I mean, it's really tricky to get that balance right like you said to be the to be a good filler game i think and uh, I, I would say another thing that i really do like about the game is actually the community that your game has created you know I, i'm part of facebook groups around the game and it's really cool to sort of see people taking pictures of their final scores and and things like that and what they've done you know how they've managed to mix and match some stuff but one of the things that's really caught my eye recently is the people that are uploading their own cards because obviously within the kickstarter you provided some blank cards so that people could create their own now i really like them and some of the artwork that people have been come up with is absolutely amazing but how, how does that make you feel and is there any that's really stood out to you that you've sort of gone oh my god that's amazing uh i mean i love it it's been one of my favorite things to see i i hadn't quite realized so the honest truth of it there were too many cards to print so mm -hmm. you have with these kind of factories printing that it's cheaper to get like a certain number sometimes so yeah. there was a bit too many and it was actually my wife's idea that had the, the, the idea of like oh some custom design your own and i thought yep that's a great idea yeah. i chucked them in i hadn't quite realized how much of how much the community enjoys like modifying their games and i should have realized really when you look at computer games the modding community is huge. People love to change it up and do all of this stuff. And it turns out it's also the case for board games, I think. Yeah, I mean, I really love it. It's it's amazing to see people's creativity and some of their mechanics they come up with. Like, uh, I think the chameleon is a particular highlight. I love the idea that it can go into an enclosure and it can copy any other animal so you could put it into an enclosure with an elephant and it could become an elephant um, <laughs> yeah. but only a small elephant so it doesn't take up as much space um, yeah. yeah that's a particular highlight but even stuff like i think um i think that was from a lady called jess but a guy called richard has also been kind of coming up with these extra kind of goal cards so you might have a card which uh gives you an extra mission to earn points throughout the year so it could be I don't know, have three jellyfish at the end of the game, mm -hmm. uh, which will give you certain points and this kind of stuff. So yeah, the community has been amazing in terms of like all of these ideas filling in of, on what they might like for future cards or future expansions. And yeah, I love it. It's, it's very nice. um, enjoyable to see that. I mean, have you guys had any uh, ideas as well in terms of what you would like? To, so I, I know that you had a couple of kind of feedback pieces off of your review so i know the the card box has been taken into account in terms of the size <laughs> oh the closed drafting which i think is is definitely something i would consider mm. adding as a like a i don't know a, a more pro rule or like a yeah. how to make it a little bit more i was just um, saying, i think because from when we played a game at uh, games expo if i remember we, we actually did do closed oh right yeah closed if i i'm pretty yeah sure i we think did. we might have done yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was that was one of the closest games of Zuli I think I've ever played, and I could tell because we were both quite quiet when we playing were. this game. There, there was a lot of thinking going yeah. on there. I was, yeah. uh, I, I didn't want to lose face, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's good because I, from what I remember, I won. 
And it's probably a good thing because if I hadn't, I would have come back and slated the game. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good tip. I need to remember that. <laughs> Hang on. Do you have a podcast show? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just I'll just throw this one. I was like, oh, look yeah, at that. Yeah. you won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I really do like the game. It always puts a smile on my face. And as for what I would, you know, try and insult, like I said, we we love the closed draft mechanics, but that's only because we're quite competitive, and I don't think James particularly likes when i do hate draft against mm-hmm. him oh yeah but you uh, don't like it when i pick random cards just to throw you yeah. off either <laughs> it's like i have no intention of using this card but i know how your brain works if yeah. i take it you'll start overanalyzing it and it's like you, yeah i'm just doing this to mess with yeah. you yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah. everyone i've taught and i've clearly taught too well because they've they've started realizing that's like, oh no first round we need to make sure we take literally all of the enclosures so that i get mm. none yep. yeah 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 <laughs> Good tactic. (laughs) And there you go. That's something you could install. The ability to go to minus. I like going into minus points. (laughs) It's interesting you say that because that was some feedback I heard from Mark Nova that people spend, I don't know, two, three hours playing that game and then end up with a negative score was a little can be a little demoralizing for people sometimes i, I would I say it is so short right yeah now. exactly if it's a short game i don't think it matters but yeah if you're slogging away for three odd hours and it's just sort of like what did i end the game on oh minus minus four well that that was a bit meh <laughs> yeah. you know because i yeah. kind of feel that way when you know if i do well and i've got sort of 20 20 points it's like, but just now i had a hundred odd I, I would ask you one more question actually with regards to art nova and games expo was yep. i think i came to you on the second day which was the saturday yep. and yep. showed you a facebook post from the yep. the night before which was Forget Ark Nova, it's all about Zuli. How did that make you feel? And did it actually affect the amount of people that you had coming to the stand and sort of going, oh, I've heard about this online? You know, it, it, Yeah, it, it's extremely humbling, heartwarming to hear that, right? Like, it, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to describe that kind of feeling. Um, and it did, it, like, that Facebook group was amazing um, and is still amazing for uh, people seem to really enjoy the game and they mm. post about the game. and we definitely had some people at games expo come and say like they're here because someone on the facebook group recommended it which Mm. was fantastic to draw people in have them play the game because even as kind of some people have discussed it's not from if you just look at the box it's not always clear that there's as much kind of strategy going Mm. on as you might think um but when we can sit people down at the table that was the best way, as with most games, I'm sure the best way to get people to go, yep, I like this game. Um, uh, so yeah, it was it was awesome to see that. Nice, good. Cool. So uh, we, we've uh, been lucky enough to uh, talk to a few uh, designers now, and most of them use the crowdfunding platform. How was that experience for you? Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's it's fan- first off, it's fantastic to exist as a tool that allows new creators and new designers to be able to create something that otherwise they wouldn't be able to create. Like as a tool for that, it is invaluable to so many people. So there's a huge amount of credit that's deserved there. There's definitely improvements that could be made to the platform. Like, and it sounds like Kickstarter are doing some stuff to to help that mm. and it's a, it's a very it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions the kickstarter because you if if you have done the kind of right steps in the build-up and that takes a lot of time like your months of planning and building this page and gathering followers sending out preview copies hopefully you get a good start and then after the first couple of days you kind of have that slump and you kind of 
wonder whether you're going to hit your goal or wonder is is this going to fund as much as i need it to um and it's really hard to to you you can even plan a whole bunch of this stuff and then you maybe don't even see traction on it and so it's a tough experience it's a real roller coaster of emotions um (laughs) through the whole thing really because sometimes someone might come out with an awesome preview or post about it and that drags a few more people in sometimes you spend a few days without any backing but yeah overall invaluable tool to to, to bring games like Zuli and stuff uh, to the market. Uh, and I think the the com- competition now from GameFound and also Backerkit, that should only help everyone, I think. I think that should help designers have some better tooling to bring this kind of stuff to market. Yeah. And I think it's also always good for backers as well to have a bit of competition so mm. people have to work harder for their attention. Um, so yeah, I think hopefully that's good for everybody. But yeah, definitely definitely an interesting experience. I'm very glad I did it. And I mean, Zuli was never even, when I first designed it, it was never a thing to become something that could, people could have. Mm. And I told myself I wanted to at least finish the whole cycle to experience the cycle. Yeah. Um, uh, Would you so, do it yeah. again? Uh, <laughs> oh, on the good, spot, hard good decision. Good question. There. <laughs> um, I think I, I, I think I would, and I think one of the main reasons is that actually the important thing on Kickstarter is changing that zero created to a one created. Yeah. Because it's understandable. A lot of Kickstarters, for the first time, maybe fund a lot and then they never deliver. I mean, you hear these horror stories all the time, right? Um, so people lose faith, especially in this zero created yeah. round. And yeah. and money is tight for people right now. So they, they really have to believe in something. Yeah. So hopefully with this one next to my name, it should be a bit easier yeah. i don't think it'll be easy i think it will involve a huge yeah. amount of work still and stuff so i would, I would definitely um, say yeah. it will definitely help because I, I am a prolific kickstarter backer you know I, yeah. I, I tend to have a look at oh what have they created previously has it been delivered or have they just done a load of cancelled stuff yeah. you know and if it's a game well i can there's a lovely little website called board game geek that i can go on and go well how was their last game was it any good yeah. And I think yep. with Zuli, you've got enough there for people that it's all positive. It's like, oh yeah, yep. delivered on time, and the game's actually yep. really good, and yep. and all that. That all stands in good stead. Should you yep. ever decide to to add that Go number again. two yeah, onto yeah. your uh, yeah. your, your Kickstarter, True. there. We actually, we've got some listener questions, which I would like to go through very shortly. But before we do that, I've got one more question for you. Mm -hmm. And you may or may not want to answer this one. I totally understand if you don't. But what is next for you and Unfringed? Any little bits? Any little teasers? Any little teasers that you want to give us? Morsels of teaser. Um, uh, it's, It's a good question. So... There were a couple of leads from Games Expo that are still kind of bubbling under the surface. Like something may come of them, but I would. We're also getting a little low on on copies, so there is the option to, or, or maybe a forced option at some point to do a reprint. Mm-hmm. And alongside that kind of card number amount, one of the quotes involves even more cards, enough cards potentially for a small expansion inside that. So. Nice. It feels like it may be a good opportunity as part of the reprint to also have the first expansion come out with Ooh. it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely nothing confirmed or anything I would need to start the design on that. But it seems like a good opportunity to get something out there if I have that option to add something in, at least to add a little bit more jazz to the game. Um, nice. Yeah, let's see. Very, very nice. Well, as uh, as you well know, because, well, I tagged you in it 
when I did it um, on uh-huh. Facebook. We we put a little post out there to see if there was anyone who had questions that they wanted to ask you, and uh, uh-huh. the response was actually pretty good. I don't know how many you've seen, but I know we had quite a few that came through to us on a private message, which you won't have had time to oh, actually oh prepare for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've got enough time to do all of the ones we've done, so I have hand-selected a few of these. Mm-hmm. Up front, we'll apologise if we don't get to the questions. Um, but uh, yeah, are you, are you ready to answer some listener questions? I am. Yeah, I can quick awesome. fire as well if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No worries. <laughs> James, would you like to to do the first one? Cool. Uh, so Jack has asked. Uh, I'm an aspiring game designer with a few ideas up my sleeve, but I've always found the idea of crowdfunding daunting. What is your advice for designers before, during, and after a crowdfunding campaign? Oof, that's a big, <laughs> big question there. Um, right, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, I, I think going kind of along the lines of, I guess, what I talked about earlier in terms of the simplicity, right? Like, mm. I think you'd have to be very brave, very brave to, to go, I want to make a Euro game. And that's going to be my first project and I'm going to kickstart it. Having never done anything like that before, keep it short, I guess. I think simplicity to find something. If you can design a game that's fairly simple and and also with components that are relatively cheap to produce. So mm-hmm. don't have miniatures in your first game necessarily because mm-hmm. that's going to cost you a lot. Keep custom dice maybe out of it. Any kind, Anything too custom is going to cost you a lot of money to manufacture. So... Yeah, something like this to kind of uh, keep it simple. And the other part of that is you you need to enjoy the process, I think. Yeah. I think if you don't enjoy the process of making it and kickstarting it, it's going to be tough to get through the whole thing. So you really need to embrace it and enjoy the whole roller coaster ride of that thing. I mean, I could answer that question for an hour, <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, that's I, a short answer. I think answer. There's, there's definitely a lot to that question. Um, yeah. You know, and again, this is actually a really good idea for a potential uh, future episode where we might call upon a few designers to chuck in their their sort of opinions on that. I mean, for me, there's always been one thing, and I think we talked about it with uh, Tom from Trolls and Rerolls, which was, I think it's more for the during and after section, which is Mm -hmm. just transparency. You know, I think being perfectly transparent with your backers is vital, you know, because it's one of the key things that, you know, to call upon Call Mini or Not Again and the postage scandal that they had a little while ago, you know, calling Mm -hmm. it a scandal is is wrong, but, you know, it caught a lot of people off guard because, oh yeah, no, it's only going to cost this much postage, only going to cost this much postage, you know, up to a week before and then suddenly going, oh no, it's actually going to cost this, is just sort of like... Not if there'd been a bit more transparency, we all knew that there was a shipping crisis going on. Yeah. Call me, you're not a great at doing updates. There's nothing wrong with doing an update going, we're really sorry, guys, but this could happen, you know, yeah. and here's the options. Yeah, yeah a bit of and transparency. you do see it, right? Like, there has been, I've seen some people who have been transparent during that kind of crisis over the last couple of years where they've said they may need to up the shipping a little bit. And because they were kind of transparent and they did it in a nice, in a, in a way, the, the backers that had backed them were already supportive of the project, right? They were supportive of the designer and people came through and, and gave a little bit more in this kind of stuff. So I think, it, yeah, you're, you're right. That transparency helps you. It might not always work, but it helps you through the process and stuff. Okay, so uh, we'll move on to the next question. Now, the, this, is, uh, this is actually from Ree from Stop, Drop and Roll. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and yep. pretty cheeky here and managed to get in uh, three three mm-hmm. separate questions here. So uh, I'll, I'll put them all as one. So the first was, uh, what was the first animal that you penned for Zuli? Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any creatures that didn't make the cut? I think you said earlier there were some things that had a bit of a cut. So that'd be interesting mm-hmm. to know. And finally, do you have plans for expansions? And when can I have them? Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, I don't question. think you're going to get a good straight question. answer on that one, Ray. Really. No. Um, first animal, that's a good question. I should have checked that in the book. I don't think there was necessarily a first, but it would have been one of the ones that's still in there, something like the elephant. I think the elephant was in fairly early on as like a standard, no or special mm-hmm. animal, but it was big and it would score a lot of points. So nice. I think that was maybe one of the first. Creatures that didn't make the cut. I had a look through those original paper cards recently of the first version of Zuli, and there were not many animals that didn't make the cut, but a lot of them got changed. So like mm. the sloth that you know now uh, in Zuli was originally a orangutan. Okay. And that got changed because for balancing purposes, it needed to be two size. And an orangutan, especially the adults, get pretty big. Um, So that didn't really make much sense thematically. I think the other one, for example, like a clownfish was in there. But um, that was because I didn't want... That got changed to jellyfish because I didn't want two fish. I kind of wanted to mix up the animals, so to have an anglerfish and a clownfish. Yeah. And maybe two similar. So I thought a jellyfish was a nice change of species i like the jellyfish i must be honest (laughs) yeah oh and expansions uh yeah you have to wait and see re sorry (laughs) yeah yeah. hopefully see i'd love to of of all people Um, re should know yeah they should know better (laughs) yeah it's it's hard like there are some fortunately the manufacturer in the uk i have can do smaller runs so economically it might just about work out but it's one of those ones that if you need to do something you need to do yeah. the big runs to get a good price and yeah. then you don't want to do that on an expansion for an expansion for a game that hasn't sold so many copies yet so Agreed. it's a it's it's tough but yeah uh, i'd love to as we know that really is uh, is going to be listening to this for for the answer i will take this opportunity to uh to spin that question around to re and say where are my dinosaur pugs uh, <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> you promised me dinosaur pugs damn it <laughs> Anyway, let's let's move on. James, what's the next one? So, uh, Charlotte has asked, I was happy to find out about the game whilst at Games Expo, as it was getting a lot of buzz online. Did you find that on the second and third day you got more interest in the game and consequently more sales? The power Ooh, of social terms- media. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was very powerful. I def- we definitely had a lot of people come to the stand that mentioned that they'd seen it from Facebook or someone at the expo had told them, oh, you have to go see Zuli. Now, whether we had more, it was tricky, right? Because we only had a small stand and there was only two of us running it. Uh, so actually we were busy most of the day. Mm. And so there were potentially people that were wanting to buy that couldn't buy because both of us were demoing and this kind of stuff. So I think sales-wise, we were kind of similar, but there was definitely more people that turned up knowing about Zuli as opposed to on the Friday where it was a fair few people that, were interested they hadn't heard about it before and they were happy to come and play and do this kind of stuff so yeah it was yeah i mean it was amazing that facebook group is one of my favorite groups so, yeah. <laughs> i bet I, I suppose this this is kind of a, a follow-on question from that actually uh from sam i won't read out the full thing because it was a, a big old thing another uk yeah. games expo thing but yeah. um 
as a follow-on to that, how difficult have you found it to promote your game and company amongst those industry giants that we were talking about earlier, like Call Mini or not? It's been... It was definitely tough during the Kickstarter. Like, I was surprised, for example, how much advertising costs. So mm. even if you're doing Facebook ads and this kind of stuff. And even then, they're not guaranteed. They're not no. a surefire thing, especially for someone... I don't have any experience in marketing or this kind of stuff, so you're spending a lot of money initially to try and you, yeah. you're kind of testing stuff. So that was very difficult. And I think obviously these these beh- like behemoths have teams of people that do that for them and they know exactly who they need to yeah. target and how. Uh, but yeah, now it's very much been like, I just love interacting with the community about the game. And I think that especially the design your own cards has helped a lot in people showing, wanting to show what they've done. And then people see that and then I get to comment on it and think about it and then other people see it and then ask questions and this kind of stuff so definitely that more organic marketing as opposed to anything too fixed like advertising all this kind of stuff yeah. i think uh, i'll ask the next one because uh, this i'll set this as a reminder for myself because if i don't like the answer i'm taking it out <laughs> <laughs> so this one is from rick Uh, The boys did an episode on Zuli a little while back and stated that they were very pleasantly surprised by the game. Has this been a reaction you have seen a lot of? If so, how does that make you feel? I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing on our front. (laughs) Pleasantly surprised. Um... (laughs) I think we weren't saying we were expecting I, it to be terrible, just for the record. I, I, I see. I actually remember that, and it was in the context of you and me tend to gravitate towards well, heavier your Kallax back here, yeah. yeah, the big box games, and yeah, like you said, we've how many times have we broken this out? You know, it, it's yeah. always a real pleasure to find a nice little small box game like that that yeah. captures mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah awesome. we, we weren't saying we were expecting it to be terrible. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> don't don't grill us too much. <laughs> no, no. I think the pleasant surprise is what it is a common common response. Not in those exact words, but in that sentiment. Um, I think because it has quite a a bright, colourful look, people don't expect that kind of strategy underneath. Um, but that was it was it was mostly intentional as well. Like I wanted it to appeal to a a younger audience, but that could also have an older audience play it and not be bored. Because I think that's where you get a lot of family games are appealed to the the younger side. And then if you're an adult playing it, it can become a little dull because there's not much going on there. So I did want it to try to appeal to both at the same time so yeah i don't take that that was a common response we had and actually it's a bit marmite some people love the art and some people just think it's too maybe childish for them Mm. but you can't pick them i thought when at the uk games expo i thought i could pick out who might enjoy it by looking at the people that walk past i'd be like they might be a zuli fan it's there is no in this board game (laughs) community there's no picking through that kind of means like there was a whole bunch and array of people that wanted to play zuli um so yeah so what's the next one james so i'm gonna pick this one here because i actually quite like this one um so are there any games that you as a player are looking forward to is there any games that have caught your eye oh um any games that have caught my eye so one that hasn't that has already been out so i picked up uh, or I got as a gift actually Brass Birmingham for my birthday and I think also because I'd been banging on about it about how good it looked that is still on the shelf at the moment because it is a little intimidating to get down and learn um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I'm very I'm really looking forward to playing that I've heard 
amazing things. And I think I could really, really get into it. I love those kind of um, kind of resource management yeah. kind of stuff as well. That's, so that's yeah, that's that. on my list is something I'd love to, nice. love to finally get on the table. Yeah, cool. and Ark Nova actually, I must admit, yeah. I, yeah. I, I do look forward to getting that yeah. played. But we we need to play that again at some point. To be yes. fair. <laughs> How about you guys? Is there anything that's on your radar oh, for the before spotlight. the end of the year? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I'm sure Paul will tell us later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's a really good political answer there, James. Paul does the news. He 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 tells people what we really think. Um, I I mean, I'm still looking forward to my Jurassic World miniatures game turning up three years after I backed it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, not sour about that at all. Yeah. But uh, if that turns up this year, I will. Uh, well, I'll eat something that I wouldn't usually eat. Did you go for all in as well? Uh, the full well, yes. The the aptly named spared no expense pledge. Yeah, yes. okay. I won't ask how much then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm yeah. Careful. It's yeah. Careful. Yeah. Layla listens to this Layla podcast. Layla does listen to this podcast, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure I've told Layla how much I, I backed that for. Luckily I was on holiday at the time and uh she wasn't with me. So uh, I was able to have the freedom to just oh, back, 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 back and all up it, my pledge. <laughs> it's market research, right? I mean it's part of the job. Hey, hey, well, we weren't yeah. doing this at the time, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't really argue that. Yeah. It was future planning. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh but yeah, I I'm looking forward to that. Um I'm just trying to think if there's anything else coming out. There probably is, but it's skipped my mind. So apologies that I'm gonna skirt around that one like a politician. So, no yeah. <laughs> uh right, let's move on. Stuart is asking, with more and more gamers being turned off by Kickstarter projects and the ever-increasing campaign costs to backers, how do you personally see this affecting your company and future in-game releases? I'm guessing this obviously covers uh, GameFound as well, rather than just Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, do you see it affecting you in the future? Uh, I guess we kind of, we kind of touched on it a little bit, didn't we? we with did. I think hopefully with those kind of tips, like you're saying as well, some transparency and yeah, also changing this, having something that has shipped and. Uh, was completed and people are happy with hopefully goes a long way to building up even more trust in the community that if I was to do something next they could trust me to be able to deliver on them yeah um, and that's obviously hopefully that's more for the next one and then after the next one hopefully that will be the same again and I guess that's where a lot of these how people build that foundation of trust that people will continue to back them but you do see i mean it's hard to judge from social media right there is a certain sentiment that it is getting worse so it's it's hard to know how much that will take away from the trust regardless yeah. um yeah it's an interesting one i think it will be there i think that there will always be some kind of crowdfunding i think there'll always be some people interested in it it's whether more people will wait till the retail comes out and wait till it's finished, which then can be more difficult to raise the funds you need to get it yeah. made in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, um, I can safely say on my part, I there have been a few Kickstarter campaigns that I've bypassed and just gone. Do you know what? I'll wait till retail. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as someone who is a fanatic Kickstarter backer, that is a worrying trend. Yeah. But you know, maybe when shipping won't be so expensive forever, and things yeah. will eventually settle, and you know, things like crowdfunding can return to normal but yeah. again this is an episode i do want to talk about in the future i think keeping it keeping it local as well that definitely helped for zuli was like it was only targeted at a uk audience mm -hmm. only the uk people could buy it and it was made in the uk and yeah. admittedly that pushes prices up compared to china or whatnot 
but it also meant that it was the, the shipping crisis didn't affect that. Of course, yeah. The carbon shortage did a little bit, but like, so yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what we'll see is more people making more localized campaigns to be able to build up a bit more trust. I'm yeah. totally okay with that. And, and, you know, you touched on it there as well. Localized manufacture. I am yeah. more than happy with that. You know, I yeah. would love to see that, especially in the UK, because obviously, as you said, Brexit is a thing, you know, VAT charges when games turn up is a thing. As I said, I'm, I'm dreading when Jurassic World turns up because one, I know how much that game is worth and mm-hmm. I know how much the tax man is going to want to ah. hit me for it as well, yep. which will make that game even more expensive. So yep. interesting. Yep. But uh, yeah, I think you you are spot on there. Localized campaigns, especially for new designers, is something we'll yep. see. And I do think that localized production is is potentially something we will see uh, and hopefully with increased demand for that Mm. will also drive the price down a little bit maybe i don't know so yeah jammers uh so um i'm gonna grab this one here uh dobby 51 has asked well you made a zoo game do you have a favorite animal uh (laughs) oh favorite animal generally so i can pick one from zuli and one from uh from outside of zuli uh I think the sloth is my <laughs> favorite in Zulu. In terms of favorite animal generally, growing up, it was the panda. I mean, I was, as a kid, I was surrounded by panda toys. Um, uh, whether it's still my favorite now, I'm not sure. I'm big into insects now. Okay. Uh, so any kind of, I love jumping spiders. So jumping spiders, especially uh fascinating to me so yeah maybe something along those lines I'd that'd say. be an yeah, interesting uh, an interesting game design that i would not buy <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a tricky one right like uh, there definitely was a part of me for a while that thought oh insects could be an interesting kind of theme to go down here but it's a hard sell to a lot of people to yeah. to get them interested in insects yeah. I, i'm not gonna lie when when i first got art nova i was i was tempted to go through the entire deck and burn any spider cards that I found yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so no, yeah very... i mean they're real photos in art nova as well they right? are, so... which is exactly why i would have burnt them <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that little Zuli, a Zuli jumping spider. Can you imagine how cute that might be? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we—I I was toying with the idea of burning the ones in Cora Quest, and that's a child's drawing. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, a furry enough. spider. <laughs> okay, no, no, no insects. Furry, full-minded. Yeah. <laughs> But no, that's uh, that's that's actually quite a good question. It's um, mm-hmm. and it leads us on. I'll, I'll chuck one more question at you, cool. and this one is interesting because it's not. I guess it's not really game related, but it's from Lucas, and he asks, "What other hobbies do you have? Uh, other hobbies, insect themed. I love macro photography. Nice. So uh, taking lots of photos of insects and probably the other main one is video games. Like I do really enjoy playing video games, and that actually. There is a lot of crossover there. I love the deck building kind of video games like yeah. Slay the Spire or any of this kind of indie stuff. Little Nightmares, one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, gaming is, I, I did it as a kid and I will, I've continued to do it all my life. So it's a, yeah, a big hobby of mine. Yeah, cool. That's really cool. I mean, Lucas, this is an expensive hobby. <laughs> How much money do you think we have? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I can safely say that as soon as I got into modern board gaming, I gave up all my other hobbies. 
Yeah, maybe we need like a Steam store for for board games so that we can have a a winter sale and pick them up for a good price. Yeah. That would be. Isn't that called the Amazon Prime Day sale that I refuse yeah, to true. buy games from? <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's some listener questions for you. Again, I apologise to those people that we didn't get round to doing. We only have so much time, and you know, Chris Chris is a busy man. He's not as busy as us, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Can I ask? Can I ask you guys one question as well? Oh. Yeah. I go uh, so you guys play a lot of games right so and you also kind of are reviewing games as well how how do you make the decision between reviewing what you know you might like to not only review but also to play and picking between what you think the audience might like to hear about Oh, that is actually a very, very, very well-constructed question. That I'm immediately going to bounce to you because you make all those decisions. I just turn up and talk. I, I have a feeling you would do that. Yes. Um. To be honest, like obviously we're we're in the creator sphere of things, so you know you, you always want to try and talk about things that are current and that people are talking about on the likes of board game geek hotness and all that kind of stuff, but. I also don't like us to constantly be on that because there are, you know, I'm the first to admit there is a million and one different podcasts out there. So many of them in this niche as well. And they're all really great at doing it. I listen to so many board game podcasts. You know, everyone's going to clamber to do things like Ark Nova, for example. That was one that I really wanted to do because Mm -hmm. I was interested in the game and I thought that that one on our part was going to be interesting because we are telling that story of, I hated this game when I first played it, and now it's one of my mm-hmm. top five games of all time. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. an interesting story to me. So that's the kind of thing I would pass on because that is a personal story from me and indeed James to say, you know, give give the game its time. You know, don't don't play it once and go mm-hmm. back. This is terrible. So how often do you pick up? So I know you mentioned like you usually play at least yes. minimum kind of three times before you mm-hmm. put a review out. Like, how many games do you typically get to, I don't know, the first time or the second time through and think, no, this isn't for me? Or do you tend to commit when you've decided to review something? If we are definitely going to review it, I'm very strict with myself. I personally have to play a game three Mm -hmm. times. Um, I mean, we recently did the review of Jamaica, which James has only played once. But I've played it more than enough mm-hmm. times to know that he saw everything that that game had to offer. So it was kind of one of those things of, we can do a review on this. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. the general yeah. rule, isn't it? As I, for me, if there are mechanics I know that are in the game, but I haven't seen in the playthrough, mm. even if I don't like it, I have to sort of say to myself, well, wait a minute, because I haven't seen this work yet, so that could be game-changing. Yeah. Even if what I've seen so far yeah. I'm not really a fan of, yeah. it's like, I haven't seen the full f- picture, yeah. so we need another playthrough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Contrary to what some people might think about me, because I like finding little niggles within games, you know, it's kind of my thing. I'm not about tearing games to pieces, you know. If they deserve it, yeah. don't get me wrong, I, I will happily do it, but it, it's, it doesn't benefit anyone for me to go out and go, this game is terrible, you should buy a copy just to burn it you know it's, yeah yeah yeah. but to, to how i decide sense. what what we should and shouldn't record it really depends like have we been playing a certain game a lot of recently if we've had a new delivery from kickstarter that's definitely one that's going to be in the list because it's like i've been waiting for this i've been building excitement mm-hmm. for this i want to pass that excitement on to someone yeah. else surprising yeah. games perfect person to, to ask the question would i 
have done an episode on Zuli initially when I when I backed it. Well, as I said, I actually backed this because I thought it'd be a nice game for me and my son and when we're playing family games. But it was so surprising and Cora yep. Quest was the same. It was so surprising that it actually worked for groups of adults that it's like, actually, do you know what? No, this mm-hmm. game should be highlighted because this is another thing that I've talked about with various other podcasters. It's why we don't call them game reviews. We call them game highlights because it's like, I'm more about Uh, highlighting this game. While, yes, we are technically reviewing it because we're giving it a rating, it's more about, we're Mm -hmm. telling you about this game. This is our thoughts on it, but what we're actually saying is you should go and play this game yourself and judge it for yourself. Whereas a review, I look at it as along the lines of, what I'm telling you is gospel and that you should just trust me. And if I say it's bad, don't even bother. Yeah. It's also a little bit more. It's a little mm. bit more rigid a review, I guess, isn't it? Where you you kind of do have to yeah. check certain boxes, whereas a highlight is yeah. you can talk about the bits you loved and the bits you didn't like yeah. so much. Yeah, it's exactly. And I think natural. the other thing yeah. that we that we do is we don't go super in depth with every single mechanic that's in the game, you know, because it's not a review. It's a highlight. I'm just telling you what I liked about it. You know, I don't need to tell you yeah. that there's exactly this amount of this card and the probability is this and blah, blah, blah. Or even this mechanic is does this and this and this. It's like, no, I, I just want to tell you that I really like how this mechanic works, you know, because it could yeah. it could do this, it could do that. Yeah, no, it's good to know. It's, it's always useful to know how, uh, how mm. yeah, creators like yourself also pick this kind of stuff because yeah. obviously there's hundreds, oh, yeah. right? That you could pick out of one of a hundred different games. It's, exactly. I mean, just yeah. these past two weeks, I've had six games that have turned up. So it's like, can I do, can I do mm-hmm. an episode for every game that turns up? No, I can't. Uh, we're we're definitely yeah. going to be doing one for Living Forest, for mm. example, because we played that. For the, I, mm. I taught you how to play it the other day, and it was like, oh my god, this game is is amazing. Yet yeah, it's so simple. I think everyone needs mm-hmm. to know about this game. Yeah, that's a that's a. Ooh, I wasn't expecting cool. that question. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a good um, answer. Very good. But you know, <laughs> one final thing on that: if someone wants us to review a game, that's another thing. If we get outright requested to review a game by a listener, then we will definitely look into it. Uh, if it's a game that we are going to mm-hmm. struggle to get hold of, then the answer is going to be no, obviously. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Chris. I'm sorry I've taken up so much of your time. No, no, it's been awesome. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's good. It's been great having you. Um, but uh, before we let you go, we would like to let you hock your wares, so to speak. Tell <laughs> people where they can find you, where they can... Pick up a copy of Zuli, highly recommended yep. by us. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so we still have late pledges on GameFound um, if you want to pick up a copy there. And we also have a retailer in Hartlepool called Gamers at Heart. So, if you're in the area there, you can go and pick up a copy in person. Or um, uh, they also send out copies as well. So, you have your choice of two places you could pick it up if you'd like. Nice, nice. We'll try and include it if I remember. I'm setting a reminder for myself. Remember to put some links in the description for those. <laughs> yeah. uh, do Do you have any social media presence that you want to have people follow? Oh, yeah. you uh, oh, I can't remember which one's which. It's Unfringed Things, uh, I think, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, unfringed.co uh, is the website. And you can find sign up to the mailing list. Um, we don't really send stuff out unless we actually have something to say nice. um, or do this kind of stuff so yeah cool um yeah 
Yeah, those things I will definitely put in the uh, description because I've already cool. got them saved on the computer ready to go. There you go. So- <laughs> and keep the design your own cards coming. Keep them coming. I love them. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I would love to see. I'm going to show James some of those in a minute as well because I don't think you've awesome. seen all of them, have you? No, so- I haven't. <laughs> cool. But yeah, Perfect. anything else you want to ask Chris while we've got him here and uh, how much we're going to get paid? for uh, all the lovely things we've been saying. <laughs> I was supposed to discuss that once we finished, Jason. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think, we've, um, I think we've covered all the bases here, Jason. Um, awesome. Awesome stuff. Cool. Well, again, thank you very much for joining us, Chris. It has been no, an right. absolute yeah, pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. If, if having we... me. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're all we're all on us it's fine <laughs> yeah 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 if we don't see you before we will 100% see you at UK Games Expo next year if you're coming back perfect yeah fair. yeah fingers crossed I've, I've actually reserved accommodation already so let's see nice <laughs> yeah. nice well, we, awesome. we shall look forward to seeing you there and I will beat you at your own game again uh, yeah <laughs> we could have a three way three player game this time that yeah. sounds good yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. and James will beat both of us and I'll I'll just say he's cheating yeah. the same as I always do <laughs> yeah, yeah. awesome yeah. thank you thank again you for joining much, us mate. appreciate it thank you and uh, we will see you next week because we're not going to come back and do the close on this. I don't think it's long enough as it is. But uh, again, thank you to Chris for joining us. James, have you had a good one today? I have had a good one. Excellent stuff. I have too. It's very, very hot. I want to play some games. <laughs> so we're going to sign off and uh, we will see you next week. Till next week, I've been Jason. And I've been James. I've been Chris. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us, Chris. We will see you soon, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Calm down a bit, Brian. Oh, come on, I know the ladies won the football the other night, but we've got all this other stuff to get going on with. What do you mean I can talk? I have not been going on about Twilight Imperium, have I? Okay, okay, so I've watched a few videos. No, 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 no don't bring up my YouTube. Oh. Okay, okay, you can stop scrolling. Well, I didn't think it would have that much effect on me, but it really is that good of a game. Well, you could have come, but Mark's got cats, and you know you and cats don't get on, and they were some bloody big cats. Right, you've made your point. Suppose I will let you sing footballs come home for a little bit longer. But outside, I need to record some news. Um, would you mind? A new Doctor Who board game will let you play as the Time Lord's greatest foes. Rather than the Doctor themselves, Doctor Who Nemesis puts players in control of the various baddies seen in the long-running science fiction show, including the Weeping Angels seen in David Tennant-era episode Blink and the Doctor's Time Lord rival, the Master, as well as stalwart classics such as the Daleks and Cybermen. Each villain has their own player board with unique abilities and actions which they'll need to use to progress their own villainous plots while fending off attempts at sabotage from the other players, not to mention the Doctor and their companions, who can also show up. To be victorious, players must complete the win trigger presented by a scheme card. In other words, the concept sounds a bit like Disney Villainous, except you'll be controlling Daleks, Cybermen, 
Weeping Angels, and indeed the Master. Doctor Who Nemesis is the latest Doctor Who board game from publisher Gale Force 9, which previously released Time of the Daleks and Don't Blink. Studio is also known for its adaptations of films from Dune to Aliens and TV shows from Firefly to Spartacus. The game will release this September, costing £50, and Nemesis will take 45 minutes to an hour and a half to play with two to four people. Everyone's favourite locomotive tracking board game has announced another kid-friendly version to sit alongside 2017's Ticket to Ride Junior. That's a bit spooky, but not too spooky. Ticket to Ride Ghost Train will bring a Halloween-themed experience to the UK sometime in September. Ticket to Ride Ghost Train lets two to four players suit up in their scariest costume and explore all of the frightful locations across the quaint residential town that comprises the board. Instead of tracks connecting cities in Europe, the UK or the US, the board game uses parade floats to mark the paths between various Halloween-inspired locations. Classics such as graveyards and pumpkin patches are joined by deserted schools, foggy lighthouses and the Circus of the Dead. Anyone who has played Ticket to Ride will find the core experience functions much the same. Collecting matching sets of cards, playing them to travel between locations and fill your bag with victory points or uh, candy. Ghost Train is designed to introduce a younger audience to the mechanics that have spawned dozens of variations and themed additions across Ticket to Ride's slate of boxes, including the upcoming San Francisco version. With games lasting between 15 and 30 minutes, it fits neatly within a school play period or lunch break without losing the fleeting attention of a group of kids. As for the Halloween theme, publisher Asmodee has apparently worked to dial it in. Despite the ghostly theme, we promise there's nothing too scary about this ghost or the game as a whole and younger children will love it, says James Arnold, head of marketing at Asmodee. Now you might be wondering why this game isn't branded under the existing Ticket to Ride First Journey series, which first released in 2016 and also rates its gameplay for ages 6 and up. And well, that's a good question. There doesn't seem to be anything beyond the Halloween theming to differentiate Ghost Town from the experience sold in both the European and US versions of that game. Perhaps Days of Wonder or designer Alan R. Moon didn't want a second colon in the name. Ticket to Ride Ghost Train will cost £29.99 at retail and via the online store when it arrives in Europe and the UK from September, just in time for the spooky season. Wordle, the popular mobile game with around 9.1 million subscribers, is being made into an upcoming board game. Based on the mobile game that has players guessing hidden words, Wordle, the party game, sees people competing to figure out a secret word as quickly as possible. The board game will provide four different modes for players to try, each one challenging a different aspect of their Wordle abilities. In the classic mode, the party board game has players attempting to guess a word chosen by a host, with players taking it in turns to play the role. Once the host has chosen their secret word, players then try to figure it out using clues provided by the host. Similar to the mobile game, the tabletop title is based on Wordle, the party game, sees players writing down words that they think either match the hidden one or contain matching letters, with the host offering colour-coded clues for each guess. If the host places a green card over a letter, it means that a player has a matching letter in the same order as the secret word. For example, if the secret word was catch and someone had written cat, then all three letters would be green. 
However, if the host places a yellow card, it means that the correct letters have been provided, but they're not in the corresponding right places. Players have six tries in which to guess the secret word, with the fewer guesses used netting players more points. There is also a semi-co-op mode, in which players sort themselves into teams and work together to guess the hidden word in the least guesses, as well as a timed mode, with players having a limited amount of time to make each guess, and a mode that challenges the players to get the right word in the shortest amount of time possible. Wordle, the party game, is set to be published by Hasbro, the tabletop gaming giant that owns studios such as Dungeons & Dragons publisher Wizards of the Coast, in partnership with New York Times Games, the company that now owns the Wordle mobile game. Wordle, the party game, is set to be released in October at a retail price of £16. And first up this week on crowdfunding is Star Realms Rise of Empire by Robert Doherty, Darwin Castle and Wise Wizard Games. It's for 2-6 to six players, takes 20 minutes, 14 years and over and ends on Friday, August the 10th. Star Realms is a fast-paced game of space battles that combines the fun of deck building game with the interactivity of a trading card game style combat. As you play, you'll use trade to acquire new ships and bases from a row of cards called the Trade Row. You use these ships and bases you acquire to either generate more trade or to generate combat to attack your opponent and their bases. When you reduce your opponent's score, called Authority to zero, you win. Star Realms Rise of Empire is perfect for new players and experts alike, and this 2-6 player game starts as an epic 2-player 12 scenario legacy campaign. When the campaign is done, Rise of Empire can be played again and again as a customised 2-6 player Star Realms set that is fully compatible with all other Star Realms sets. Also included is Rise of Empire Infinite Replay Kit. This 180 card set has everything you need to reset and replay your Rise of Empire campaign as many times as you like. So this kit allows legacy play without using stickers. So you can pledge at £49 or $59 for the legacy tier, which gets you the new content associated with Star Realms Rise of Empire and its stretch goals. But pledge at £65 or $79 and you'll get the Rise of Empire Infinite Replay Kit alongside the base game and all stretch goals included. Or if you don't actually own any of the Star Realms games or expansions, then go all in. And I mean all in for £230 or $279. But for that, you get every Star Realms product that has gone to print. Yep, all the base games, boosters, promos, universal storage solution for it, all along with the Rise of Empire, the campaign reset kit and all stretch goals. Next up is Hijacked by Greenest Games. It's for 1-4 to four players, takes 20 minutes per player, it's for 12 years and over, and it ends on Thursday, August 11th. The year 2050, an emergency at the airport. A passenger plane has been hijacked by unknown hijackers. The airport has been cordoned off, the plane is surrounded by police. Efforts must be made as soon as possible to ensure that passengers are safely evacuated from the aircraft, and that the hijackers are persuaded to surrender. As a negotiator, are you able to free passengers before the police team invades the plane? The game is played in different rounds in which players use two dice each round to get passenger cards, or do other actions which gives them points or so-called demands. 
Also, players build trust so the hijackers are willing to negotiate with them more. The negotiators are able to work together in order to free as many passengers as they can, but can also try and work on their own. Hijacked is a semi-cooperative dice placement Euro game where players take on the role of independent negotiators. The game is easy to learn and has endless replayability. The game is specially designed to have an intense game experience, but without a duration which is too long, just 20 minutes per player. And the game is colorblind friendly. Pledge at £38 or €44 Euros for a copy of the game. If you're one of the first 1,500 backers, you'll also receive a signed promo guard from the game's artist, the Miko. Famous for his work on the North Sea, West Kingdom and South Tigris trilogies of games. And lastly is Sunshine City by Bluebeard Entertainment. It's for 1 to 100 players, takes 30 minutes, 14 years and over, ends on Saturday, August 13th. The future is now. Turn your thriving metropolis into an eco-friendly paradise by upgrading your buildings, creating new technology and getting support from public and private sectors. Sunshine City is a roll and write and move for any number of players. Each turn, roll two dice, all players move one of their three workers, a builder, inventor or lobbyist, based on the lower die roll. Then a different worker, based on the higher die roll, gaining resources in whichever of your seven districts they land in. Builders spend resources, increasing your city's production. Inventors spend them on special abilities. Lobbyists gain support for projects, which give access to powerful one-off powers. The first player to build seven solar farms in their city is the winner. This also includes Sunshine City Infinite Generator, but what's that I hear you cry? The Sunshine City Infinite Generator allows you to mix and match city districts to create countless unique cities. Each Sunshine City map has seven unique district powers, four projects and a new goal. By combining them in different ways you can create hundreds of thousands of distinct maps. The generator is a first of a kind software system that was built in house and has never seen on any print and play game before. Backing at the generator level will give you the access to this unique online tool to generate new cities and download them in full high resolution color or in low ink versions. The system is being built in partnership with a team of US-based software professionals who have created online and mobile applications for over 15 years. So pledging at £5 or $5 for the Sunshine City PDFs in both full colour and low ink versions. But for £11 or $12 gets you the same PDFs but also access to the Sunshine City Infinite Generator allowing you to create your own cities to use within the game. And with crowdfunding over, it's over to events. And as usual, Tuesdays is Worthing Board Gamers, first night of the week, down at Dice Worthing Store, 7pm until 10pm, £3 cover charge. Location of the store is 24 to 26 Portland Road, Worthing, BN 11 1QN. Wednesdays is Crawley Gaming Community, being hosted at the comic shop, 42 High Street, Crawley, RH10 1BW. Tending to gather from 6ish onwards until close, £3 per evening. Thursdays has three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers, second night of the week down at the Ardington Hotel, Steam Gardens Worthing BN113DZ from 7pm. 
Lewis Board Game Club and the Trinity Gaming Cafe are over at Arbinger Place, Lewis, BN72QA from 7pm through to 11 Also, Jake and Chris would like to welcome you to Dyson Drinks, 79 to 81 Church Walk, Burgess Hill, RH15 9BQ for their Thursday evening socials. And Crawley Gaming Club are always there for you on Mondays. They'll be up and running from 6pm over at the Tilgate Community Centre, Shackleton Road, Crawley, RH10 5DF. And just £3 per person over there. Right, I think we can both take a break from things for a bit. I'm not playing TI4 until October, although I may need to brush up on who I want to be next time. Or do I go with Lizix again? Okay, okay. Well, say goodbye to everyone then. And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week.